The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Welcome to Spirit of Recovery Offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery Here's Rev. Dan Beckett Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with special guest co-host Reverend Michelle Jellinch. Today, we'll discuss ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. And if you're listening live, you're welcome to join the discussion with your comments and questions. You can call us right now at 816 816- Two five one three five five five. Again, the number is eight one six two five one three five five five, and we'd love to hear from you. Facebook users, you can also message us during the show or any time during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the Send Message button right below the banner. And just as with phone calls, your anonymity is always respected. Today's show is titled "The Courage to Change." It takes courage to walk an addiction recovery path. We're moving toward a new freedom and a new happiness, but to get there, we must walk through the wreckage of our past. Today, we will share how to find and use courage to face the past and walk from that wreckage into wholeness. We'll begin by sharing our own experiences of the wreckage of our past. Then we'll move into the solution of the courage, having the courage to change. After the break, we'll share exactly how that courage to change helped us move from the wreckage of our past into a state of wholeness. So, Dan, when you think back about the wreckage of your past, what comes to mind? (laughs) Uh, What I want to say is that I prefer not to, but that's not a very sound uh, recovery spiritual principle. But, uh, you know... That, if I'm honest, that still is what comes to mind. You know, it's hard to look at. That, that's what I think about when I think about what, what was it like, and I say past tense, just thinking about when I first undertook all of this, but really, it's also present tense. What is it like? Because mm-hmm. I found that um, facing the wreckage of my past is not something that I only did uh, when I first got on the recovery path, but it's something that I do on an ongoing basis. You know, sometimes there are things that um, come up over time. I know I've had that experience, but my short answer is that it's just hard to look at. I, I don't know anyone who likes to look at, um, you know, what we call the wreckage of our past or the 
are, I think of it as my bad actions, you know, when I was a bad actor and I don't mean in a play or a movie, I mean, just in life, <laughs> um, if I, it, times that I've acted badly, it's, I'm embarrassed about them and yes. I don't want to share them or even really look at them. And so that's what comes to mind at first is it's hard. It's hard for me to look back at the wreckage of my past. I think we all have that experience. Um, there's things that we don't want to look back on because, as you mentioned, there's embarrassment. And also there can be a lot of shame. I know I had, well, I learned early in recovery when I started doing a lot of work on myself that I had a lot of shame in general, that I was a very shame-based person in a lot of ways. And so that shame and embarrassment about behaviors and ways that I had behaved or ways that I had acted sort of prevented me from being able to see the behaviors clearly, if that makes sense. It's sort of like, um, it's like a self-protecting mechanism where you aren't able to see yourself clearly because there's so much shame around it that um, it prevents or prevented me from being able to look at it at the beginning, you know, it, that's how it was at the beginning. Yes. You know, what comes to mind right on the heels of the, the, my experience that it's hard for me to look at that stuff right behind that is that I would rather not look at it. Now, right. yes, it's hard to do. That's one thing, but a completely different thing is that, um, it is part of an addiction recovery path to look at the wreckage of our past. And so I've got to, I've got to get past not only that uh, initial response that, uh, you know, man, this is not really something I want to look at, um, but to the realization that uh, it's part of my journey is to um, do just that anyway, even if I ra would rather not have right. to deal with it. I mean, looking at it is one thing. We talk about facing it, you know, facing it begins, I think, by looking at it, but also uh, wrapped up in that word we use facing it is to deal with it, process it, not just look at it, but um, work with it or through it, if you will. And so when I think, what it, what is it like facing the wreckage of my past? I would really rather not have to do this. <laughs> We'd rather not. But as you said, it's definitely an important part of the process. I mean, the 12 steps are a process of self-reflection. It requires that we do that um, self-reflection. So I found that it took me some time before I could see my own behavior clearly. Again, I had so much shame and self-defensiveness built up around the behaviors that I didn't see them at first. And so that just took time. It took time to learn how to be self-reflective. It took time to um, just begin to sort out what was okay behavior and what wasn't really. I mean, that was part of early sobriety for me was just starting to see, you know, um, again, just seeing my own behavior clearly and, uh, you know, I learned from my sponsor and from the 12 steps, what was, how was I supposed to be behaving in the world? How was I supposed to be conducting myself and then seeing the ways in which I was not? 
another thought that comes to mind about facing the wreckage of my past is that at some point uh, I realized that at least part of my reluctance, um, I think in there somewhere was somehow the thought like that I had to do it all at the same time. Yes. You know, everything that I thought of kind of had to be dealt with just because it occurred to me and I was grateful to learn um, that that even though that is overwhelming and it would be for any of us, I think I was grateful to realize that I didn't have to do it all at once, but rather I could work with it in stages. Right. And of course, that's where, you know, we talk often about the power of the group here yes. on our show. We talk about the power of community and part of the power of community is that we're not doing this alone. So right. we can learn about it from others and specifically um, by working with the sponsor, I understood that I didn't have to face it all at the same time, and that could be done in stages. Now, as time has continued to pass, you know, I'm I'm thinking now about the v very early sobriety, but this is an ongoing process, and Absolutely. so as time passed, I that that sort of evolves into the realization that there are pieces of the wreckage of my past that I did not become aware of until some time had passed. Right. You know, I could sit down and make a list of everything I could think of, say, in my first year, and that became, you know, my to-do list with my sponsor. But then later, I would be adding things to that list that didn't even occur to me in the first year. And so I know that it's an ongoing process. But again, the, the thought that comes to mind uh, talking about facing the wreckage of my own past is that I'm so grateful I didn't have to do it all at once or yes. alone or alone, you know. Right. I know that I, you know, probably many people have this experience. Um, I wanted to approach sobriety the way I approached other things in life, which was just like full blast. But I can't stress enough that the 12 steps, the process of recovery of um, really that deep change, it is a process it, and it's a lifelong process. You know, I didn't come into recovery and boom, got perfect. <laughs> you know, this is a um, sort of a, a long haul journey that we are signing up for. And as you as you explain, there are layers and layers that get uncovered over time. And um, that's why maybe a lot of people recommend doing the steps multiple times. As you go back through them again, you discover all new things. Your perspective changes. You have so much more clarity on, um, on your behavior. So it really is a process. And when you were talking about, you know, we don't have to do it all at once, it reminded me of one of our slogans, which are kind of corny, but they're really helpful is keep it simple. Keep it simple. You know, in early recovery, I just needed to learn how to live a sober life. I didn't need to, you know, fix everything immediately. <laughs> I needed to really just relax and trust the process and trust that it was unfolding as it should. And as you say, it's an ongoing process of uncovering more and more of those layers and being able to see things more clearly. Uh, I'm reminded that it is, you know, and we use the analogy of peeling the layers of the onion, right? Each yeah. one each one kind of looks like the one before it, but yet th there's always a next one. Yeah. And it took me some time to, um, I guess, come to terms with is, is a way 
or describes it well come to terms with the idea that that I wasn't going to cross the finish line. Yeah. You know, that this wasn't something like you just shared about. You wanted to like, jump in and have at it. Uh, and I was somewhat the same way. And then to discover that, well, I'm never really done with this. No. Yes, there are steps, which implies that you could get to the end of them. But then the last ones talk basically about keeping doing all of this stuff. So um, when I was facing the wreckage of my past early on, I remember I knew that I had to do this. I wasn't denying that. I would le at least had clarity that, yes, this is part of it. Yes, this is important. Yes, I have these things, too. But it took some time and some work for me even to recognize them. Yes, you know, absolutely. I, I mentioned that... Um, as in, say, in the first year, working the working the steps with the sponsor and getting to the fourth and and fifth step, it just took a while for me even to, I guess, for my mind to be clear enough for me to see some of the things that did end up on my fourth step inventory. So I knew it was there, but it still took time to recognize it. Yes, I had absolutely the same experience. I went through the steps actually quite slowly. I don't think I did the fourth step until a few years into my sobriety, and I'm not recommending that for anyone. But for me, it was really that process of, you know, a fourth step that I had taken in my first year would not have been complete. Um, because I think we talked a few weeks ago, you know, there's a certain fog that, um, you experienced and or I experienced an early sobriety and um, took time for that to lift to even be able to start to know what to put on that fourth step list. It just it's it's just a real process of unpacking everything that's happened and starting to see one's behaviors clearly. Absolutely, I remember. Uh, when I think about the first fourth step I did, because like you say, it's not a one and done kind of deal. Yeah. I say it took me three months and 45 minutes, three months of avoiding it, and then 45 minutes to actually commit it to paper <laughs> longhand by the time I got to it. But now that we know about this challenge of clearing away the wreckage of our past, what is the solution? Well, in Unity, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principle. Yes, in fact, Unity's third principle states that we are co-creators with God, actively creating our world through thoughts held in mind. So what this means is that we can change our lives by changing our consciousness. However, this is not always easy to do. And one reason it can be challenging is because change requires courage, and courage is what we want to focus on today. But we might ask, so how can we cultivate the courage we need in order to grow and change? And, and if, and if I'm not feeling courageous right now, what could I do to develop it? So Michelle, when you think about courage, the courage to change and, and where you might've found it and how to develop it, what do you remember about that? Well, the first thing is, I guess we've already sort of talked about this, this idea that um, it's okay to take small steps, that I didn't have to do it all at once. I didn't have to face everything all at once. I didn't have to fix everything all at once. It's that keep it simple, that one day at a time, you know, 
um, just focusing on the next thing that I needed to do and not get way out ahead of myself into the future. So taking small steps, just taking one thing at a time and dealing with it um, rather than, you know, like I said, rushing in and wanting to uh, bring my perfectionism or my, you know, over ambitiousness or whatever into it and thinking I'm going to clean up this whole thing and, you know, be done with it right away. That's not the recovery process. You know, that is the very first thing that occurred to me as well. When I asked myself, what did this courage to change look like for me? Well, uh, I, that was my very first thought. It looked like I don't have to do all this at once. I don't know anyone who could undertake right. all this at once. You know, there's a saying, and, and, I, and I also love the slogans that we find in our recovery programs. And they are corny, as you say, but that kind of makes them memorable. That's and I right. think the reason that they stick around is because they're true. You know, even the ones that really annoyed me at first, <laughs> I came to appreciate the, the concise expression um, of the wisdom. And now that I say all that, I can't remember the one. Oh, here it is. This, this wasn't literally on a plaque. In my in my home group, there were plaques on the wall. There must yeah. have been 45. There were a lot, you know, and they had, you know, uh, all, all the different things that we say keep coming back and all that. I don't think this was on a plaque, but I've heard this over and over, and I really appreciate the deep wisdom in it. Someone said to me, look, if you walk 10 miles into the woods, you got to walk 10 miles out of the woods. I didn't create this situation that I find myself in all of a sudden in one month. And so I'm not going to unwind it all of a sudden in one month either. And that realization kind of had two pieces to it. One of it was like, oh man, you mean I'm not going to be able to just get all this <laughs> taken care of right away? But then the other side of that same coin is what a relief that I don't yeah. have to deal with all of this at the same time. Yes, yeah. we move slowly. Thank goodness we move slowly, you know, kind of hit me both ways. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, another thing I really want to stress that was important for me was um, the fact that recovery is a we program. You know, I didn't have to do it myself. And a really important piece of it for me was um, having mentors, not just my sponsor, but, and I from early uh, recovery went predominantly to women's meetings. So I'm talking about mostly other women that I could relate to and watching what they did. And I'm talking week in and week out, listening to these people share about things that were happening in their lives. Um, you know, bad things, tragedies, difficulties, challenges, and having them share how they walked through those things in recovery. And I observed that and watched that. And um, that gave me a lot of courage because I would say, well, she, if she can do it, I can do it. Or, you know, she, that's the wonderful thing about the sharing that goes on in recovery groups is that we relate so much to what other people share. And, and so we see them um, moving through things in a different way, using different tools, um, doing it within sobriety or recovery. Um, and that gives us or gave me the courage to say that I, I can do that, too. If this person can walk through this thing sober, if this person can move through this challenge using these principles, then maybe I can, too. 
And so that was really important to me. Yes, when I ask uh, what the courage to change or, or what I'm thinking of now, really, I should say, what did finding the courage to change look like? Uh, very much the same for me. You know, I'm reminded again of, of one of my favorite aspects of all of this, and that is the power of the group. You know, I've heard it said, and I've said many times, although uh, nobody can do my inner work for me, I can't do it alone either. It's it's one of those um, paradoxes, if you will, of spiritual growth is that it is neither, it's not an all or nothing thing. It's, it's partly individual and inner work, and it's partly also, and just as essential, um, group kind of work, being part of a community. And so what that looked like for me is very much what, what you're sharing. I I participated, which was big for me. I was not a participator in general. I was an observer. I was very reluctant to get what, and, you know, just I think about the words I would use to get dragged into something. You know, the fact that I think of it as getting dragged in <laughs> kind of tells you that I'm reluctant to getting involved. Um, you know, it, it just, it always, it always felt like, um, I don't know, how long is this going to go on? You know, am I going to be able to leave? It was just easier to say, no, I'm not getting involved. But I was willing to do so uh, when it came to uh, addiction recovery path. And because I was willing to do so, I got to see, and this is very much what you were saying, I got to see other people doing yes. this too. Power of the community showing up in the experience, strength, and hope that others bring to the table. And so one way that I found the courage to change was by recognizing it in other people. Yes. And, th and that was tremendously helpful. Yeah. Another aspect of it um, was that, and this was very new for me, but I wasn't doing it alone anymore because now I had a relationship with a higher power. And that was um, such a huge change in my life to even have, you know, God on board, so to speak, with me. Um, but having that faith and having that partnership with spirit, um, knowing that I didn't have to face any of these things alone. I didn't have to figure any of it out alone. Um, I now had this amazing, vast, infinite resource available to me that provided unconditional love and guidance and um, steadfastness. Um, so that gave me courage because I wasn't doing it alone. I now had a higher power, which was a, obviously a big game changer for me. One motivator, and again, I remember uh, hearing people share about this is the fact that pain is very motivating. Yep. And I was in a decent amount of, you know, emotional, spiritual, not physical, but emotional and spiritual pain yes. uh, early in recovery. And so that pain motivated me and in kind of in itself, it provided a certain amount of courage, maybe in the form of maybe motivation is motivation. a better word. You know, if I'm highly motivated, I'm not concerned so much of do I have the courage? <laughs> motivation Absolutely. kind of seems to bring courage right along with it. And I found that being in, in pain, emotional and spiritual pain to be very motivating. So 
I don't, I didn't have to go find that. It was there. Uh, I'm grateful that it, that it was motivating. Cause I mean, it's, it's no fun to be in that kind of pain, but what would be worse is staying yeah. in that kind of pain. So thank God that it was um, motivating to, to get me moving. And again, you know, linking into the power of the group, uh, the group helped me find the direction, the, the program principles helped me know what direction to get moving in. But the pain, the pain motivated me to get going. And so I, I suppose in a sense, that was a source of courage. I believe that that is the role that, you know, psychic or emotional pain, spiritual pain, that that's the role that it plays in our lives. That's its purpose. Pain lets us know that something's not right, that something needs to change. And I don't know about you, but I sometimes have to get in an awful lot of pain before, especially if it's like a real core issue, you know, before I'm really willing to do the work around it. And so, like you said, it's not fun at all. And I've certainly had some painful times in recovery for sure. Um, but those have been the times of most growth and change for me. I don't know if it's courage per se, or it's just get me out of this pain. I cannot take it anymore. So, you know, there've been emotional bottoms for me throughout recovery and pain continues to be a motivator to me today. Um, I think it's just human nature. I'm not going to delve in and really do that hardcore work on something unless I'm extremely motivated. Otherwise, life gets in the way. You get busy. You're just going along. But blammo, you get something, you know, you get hit by that spiritual two by four, that horrible psychic pain. And um, that is a real motivator for me to get the courage or just, you know, sort of be dragged kicking and screaming <laughs> into change, really. But it, it's a it's a real thing and it really is um, part of the process. Yeah, I'm getting an image in my mind of, I, I don't want to go over the waterfall as I float down the stream. Okay, <laughs> go go ahead and keep thinking that as you go over the waterfall. You know, yeah. one of those phrases on the wall um, that I remember and that I heard a lot, this, this might be like a recovery greatest hit, keep coming back. Keep yeah. coming back. You know, yeah. that's related to the idea that if I walk 10 miles into the woods, I got to walk 10 miles out. This is not a one and done deal. You know, I, I don't I don't abstain from my substance for one day and think, oh, good, I'm done. You know, uh, clearly I don't have a problem with this. Um, I, it's like uh, it's it's like that silly uh, story. Someone goes to the gym and they're like, this is stupid. I, I'm sore. I weigh the same. Obviously, <laughs> this doesn't work. You know, I'm not doing this anymore. No, it's something that we have to keep coming back. Like any yeah. new way of being, any new new habits. It's it it applies to spiritual growth. It applies to a sitting meditation practice. Keep yes. coming back. You know, show up. And there's a reason we call it a practice because we need to practice these things. But let us hold that thought because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we'd love to hear from you as we continue the conversation. The phone number to dial is 816-251-3555. And please stay with us. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Spirit of Recovery, we're glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, and I'm here with Reverend Michelle Jelich. We'll resume our discussion in just a moment, but first we want to remind you that the phone lines are open. So if you have a question or a comment to share, please give us a call at 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. So prior to the break, we were discussing uh, the process of looking back and facing some of the wreckage of our past and how it can be challenging to face those things. And it takes time to uncover and really be able to see our behavior clearly. And we were also talking about what courage looks like, the courage that it takes and that it took for us to, to change, to face those things and to change. So Dan, now that we know that the challenge is the wreckage of our past and the solution is the courage to change, how exactly can courage lead us to a new state of wholeness? Well, one of the first ways that I noticed was that it took courage to, for me to admit just to myself about some of my bad behavior, you know, some of the wreckage when we talk about the wreckage of our past, that's a colorful way uh, for me of just saying bad behavior, you know, acting badly uh, in, in various ways and various times um, in the past. And so courage showed up simply in the very first, you know, I might think of them as baby steps. We always begin something new. Uh, by taking uh, tiny little steps at first, baby steps. And one of those for me was having the courage to admit just within my own mind, you know, that some of my bad behavior was was just exactly that, bad behavior. And the, the way I felt after doing that is that right there provided a little bit of relief because I, I have found that if I'm keeping a secret, that that secret is, is sort of like a... Uh, a little a poison something sitting there with and it's it just it's no good at all it colors everything around it and if I'm at least willing to look at it then there's some relief that I find in recognizing oh man okay there is a path out of here even mm -hmm. if I'm not walking the path yet that's better than there is no way out of it at all and so I felt some sense of relief um, just being able to admit to myself that, yeah, I, I did have some bad behavior. Yeah. Well, it was a whole process for me. And one of the things um, was that I had to learn that it was okay for me to make mistakes. Um, I had to start to unpack some of that shame that had my behavior so entrenched that was preventing me from seeing my behaviors clearly. So this, it's hard because there's so many pieces to it, but the big thing for me was, um, you know, coming into relationship with a power greater than myself that loved me unconditionally. And that allowed me to begin to see myself as human and that it was okay for me to make mistakes. It was okay that I wasn't perfect. It was okay that I had done these things. I was still valuable. 
and lovable and worthwhile. So I, I sort of, I needed all that on board before I could even begin to see all of the behaviors that needed correcting. I, I don't know if that makes sense. Um, I didn't have the courage to, I didn't have the courage to look at those things until I had this other piece, which was a relationship with a loving God. That's what gave me the courage to be able to start. And, you know, and people telling me somehow I didn't learn in my childhood that it was okay to make mistakes. And so I had to hear that a lot of times over and over that, you know, this, this concept that you could make a mistake and apologize for it and then be done with it and not wallow in shame and guilt and horrible feelings for the rest of your life. This was a whole new concept to me. <laughs> Somehow I didn't learn that in childhood. And so it all went together to be able to, um, to be able to have the courage to admit those things. When I think about, uh you know, how did courage show up to help me face the wreckage and what was that like? Just hearing other people share about their past yes. and seeing the courage that they had, but also personally having the courage, and I don't know that I would have recognized it this way uh, early on, but it took courage for me to identify with what they were saying instead of compare Okay. You know, I heard that a lot um, in in the in recovery circles that we want to identify with others' experience, not compare. Because if I'm comparing, then I'm thinking, oh, well, I never did that, and so this person has nothing to offer for me, or oh, I I never did that, so I must not, you know must not have been so bad. Maybe I don't even need to be here, really. <laughs> um, but. If I'm willing, if it, it takes courage to identify because it's it's a humbling thing, you know that's uh, kind of inherent in what we're talking about here. A lot of this is is right sizing us. I've heard um, it takes courage to listen to what someone is saying, and even if they grew up in completely different circumstances, to be able to find a point of connection to identify, like yes, I know how that feels. Also, even if my circumstances were different, I can identify with what they're saying. And that itself takes courage. And again, the, the, when I am able to do that, I've heard it said that the opposite of addiction is community or connection, rather, mm, which yeah. I find in community. The opposite of addiction can be thought of as being connection. And so when, I'm, when I can find the courage to identify with what someone is saying, rather than compare, um, then I form a connection and I've, I find a little bit more wholeness in it. You know, we're talking about how to move from this, where the wreckage is kind of defining us to where our inherent wholeness, our inherent goodness, and as you've shared, a, a higher power that loves us unconditionally to live from that way of seeing just being able to um, identify with others brings a little bit more of that light into my experience. I love the term you used about right-sizing ourselves. Um, I think that's so apt because, you know, there's that whole thing, I think I may even mention, have mentioned this in a previous show, but where we, we have that unique but lethal combination of low self-esteem and narcissism where we think that we are the piece of garbage that the planet revolves around, right? <laughs> so we're either just, you know, the worst thing in the world, we're just horrible, horrible, 
or we're oversizing ourselves, you know, over inflating our importance and our self-centeredness. So that right sizing of ourselves, I don't have to be the best. I don't have to be the worst. I'm not horrible, but I'm not a saint either. So it's, it's getting out of extreme thinking and into, you know, out of that black and white thinking that is such a hallmark of addiction and into that gray area of, you know, just being like, what do we say in recovery? Uh, a human among humans or a man among men or whatever, um, just being one, one of them, one of us, one of the group. I don't have to be the very best or the very worst or the very anything. Um, that can be, can take a lot of courage to try to find that place, you know, as an addict that's used to being dramatic and and um, wallow, either wallowing in self-pity or aggrandizing ourselves, you know, just to be right in the middle. And we talked about the unconditional love of the higher power. And I remember hearing, you know, yeah, it's a wonderful thing that the higher power loves you. But don't forget, the higher power loves everybody else the <laughs> same exact way. You're not God's favorite, just as you're not, you know, you're not on God's bad list. And you're also not God's favorite. You, you know, God loves just equally because that's what God is, is love. And so that's that right sizing, you know, just getting ourselves to back to that right size. I love that. I love that. I've heard that uh, called like a, like a bunch of grapes, just being one of the bunch, you know, <laughs> a grape among grapes, maybe, yeah. or an, another with just another bum on the bus. Yeah. I've heard that a little less frequently, <laughs> but, you know, just the idea, as you're saying, that we're, we are co-equal with everyone. Yes. We're not worse than anyone. We're not better than anyone. And, and that can be really, it, it's, it seems so simple and, and maybe even very attractive, but I've found it can be very hard. It's a balance, right? We talk often about balance. It's a balance that can be hard to strike. So another example of, uh, the way the courage to face wreckage was looked like for me. And then, and what happened is simply the courage to show up at another meeting, right? Because if I don't want to, if I don't want to face uh, my past bad behavior, what better way to avoid it than to stop going to the place where people are talking about facing <laughs> the bad behavior of my past. And so just continuing to show up, the simplest thing in the world. And again, it's just, I'm just going to be one of the bunch. I don't, I don't need to be a star. Um, you know, I'm not a reject. I'm just going to show up uh, at a recovery group meeting just like everybody else and might have a cup of coffee like everyone and I'm going to sit in a regular chair like everyone and I may or may not share like everyone does. Just the courage to show up at another meeting helps me to face the wreckage. And when I do that, again, uh, it's it's it presents me with more and more opportunities for connection. And every time I make a connection, I feel like the light goes a little brighter. You know, the world seems a little less um, dark. My situation is a little less dire every time I make a connection. And so that I began to recognize over time, that is what being on a path to wholeness feels like. The, the light comes on a little speck here, a little bit there, a little bit more at a time because of this person, something they said I could connect with, or that person really listened to me and I felt heard and made a connection there. 
um, the light comes on and we find ourselves one step at a time, one meeting at a time, one day at a time, moving uh, out of letting that wreckage define us and instead moving into an experience of wholeness in the world, a, a lightness, a lightness of being, so to speak. Yeah, that's so important, that group process. And I mentioned in the last segment before the break about, you know, watching people in meetings, watching how other women walked through the things that happened in their lives. And I can't stress that enough, how important that was to me, because then when similar things would happen to me, I knew I'd had a model of how to walk through that in recovery. And I knew that it could be done. And, you know, it took me time to figure out how to behave in a different way. And so I needed those models of people with some time in recovery um, to see how these things could be walked through um, with dignity and grace in, in recovery. And, you know, another aspect of courage was um, just trying out some of these new behaviors and seeing that they got results. I mean, that's really important. And I know we say that in unity a lot too, you know, don't take these things because we say them, take them because you've tried them and they work for you. And, you know, the Fillmore's were really big on that. You know, um, these are demonstrable principles, you know, try them out and see how they work in your life. And that's how, you know, they're going to work for you because they get results. And so as I started behaving differently, my life started changing and it's a snowball effect. You know, as I started behaving differently, my life started changing. I started to gain some self-esteem. Then my self-esteem helped me make better choices. And it just went on and on. But it's very much, you know, and sometimes there's aspects of life that get worse before they get better. You know, it's not always an upward trajectory. Um, it's a, more of a spiral, like so many things are in life. But there's there is always a forward motion. You know, things may get they may get you know hairy there for a while, but things are always getting better and better and better and better. And and it works. If it didn't work, we wouldn't stay in recovery. You know, yes. it's got to start working for us. We have to start seeing results in our lives. And that gives us courage to make more changes. Yes. I, when I think about, again, an, another example of, uh, you know, I'm asking myself, so how does courage help me move from sort of being, I don't know, what I think of as wreckage oriented, uh -huh. right, to to being oriented to uh, in the in the way I think about it, the you know the the words I use to be kind of God presence oriented, or you know we talk about practicing the presence of the divine. I want to be oriented. That's what I want to be thinking about, not about all the bad ways that I behaved. And right. so one way that courage has helped me do that is is that it took courage for me to get a sponsor, mm. right? I read the steps. I understood that getting a sponsor, and I had been told by many people over and over, so I knew it was important uh, to get a sponsor. But I also knew that what you did with the sponsor was work through the steps and that I was going to have to talk to this person about things that happened. And so <laughs> it took courage for me to get a sponsor because I knew you know, what I was asking for, so to speak, yeah. um, as it went. Um, but when I did 
I don't know. I've had this experience a lot where something seems really daunting and overwhelming and maybe really too big and I'm not sure what to do, but then, but then I, I get a plan or, or somebody helps me or for whatever reason, I go ahead and do it anyway. In this case, I go ahead and get a sponsor and then I land and I realize, Oh, that wasn't so bad. Hey, <laughs> I did it. Now I have a sponsor and, and I like this guy and I can talk to him about stuff and, and this is great. So that, that scary, daunting, overwhelming kind of thing um, has just turned into uh, another, I don't know, like asset, if you will, kind of like you're describing it. It helps my, my growth spiral, right? It gives me yeah. more courage to do the next thing or as like you say, when things get difficult, because sometimes if when things are feel like they're falling apart, really maybe they're falling together because yeah. it's the same process. It doesn't feel very good, but it gives me the courage then to walk through that and come out the other side of that. And again, all the while, in a sense, I'm shifting my consciousness from being wreckage oriented to being God oriented to seeing myself not as defined by what I have done, but rather defined by the divine presence that's in me of otherwise known as wholeness. You know, that's a word we use to talk yeah. about that. Yes, boy, that there was a lot in what you just said. Um, you know, I think I may have mentioned that I found unity fairly early on in my recovery. And so I was not only, you know, getting into recovery, but also being introduced to all of these spiritual principles that we teach in unity. And so my whole worldview was really changing quite quickly um, from, you know, the wreck wreckage consciousness, if maybe we can call it that, where I thought that life was happening to me. Um, that's the way I perceived the universe to wholeness consciousness, where I learned that life was happening through me. So this was big. This is game changing. Um, life is not happening to me. Life is happening through me. I'm responsible. And, you know, the third step tells us that, um, you know, we are, we have an active role in creating our world. We're, we're not, I don't believe the only factor, but we certainly have an active role in what happens to us. And that meant that I needed to take responsibility for changing things in me, in my life, in my thought process, um, in order for my life to change. So at my church, we like to say life happens from the inside out. So this was a completely different way of seeing the world for me. And um, so then I needed the courage to begin to see that I was responsible for what I had created. This wasn't a bunch of stuff that had happened to me. I was not a victim, um, maybe in certain things, but not in all of it. And that's the bad news and it's the good news, right? The bad news is that I'm responsible. The good news is that then it means that I can change from the inside out. I can start to change myself. I can start to change my, my thoughts, my consciousness. What am I holding in my mind? What am I walking around with in my head all the time? Am I walking around all the time going, this sucks, you know, nothing is happening the way I want. This life is horrible, blah, blah, blah. 
Or am I starting to replace that with the principles that we teach in unity, that the universe is essentially good, that God is good, that all things are working together for good, that there is an unfolding divine order that we can count on, that we can trust. And that helped me begin to change the way I saw life and have the courage to begin to make changes. And when I changed the inside, it began to change things on the outside. That's, that's like I say, both the bad news and the good news, that we have the power. We have a, a huge amount of power to change the way things are showing up in our life. Amen. <laughs> I'm with you on that. You know, I love what you said about life doesn't happen to me. Life happens through me. Yeah. I'm totally stealing that. I'm, I, may, I may say that <laughs> on Sunday <laughs> in church. I love that so much. Um, you know, I uh, talked about take, it takes courage to get a sponsor, and we're talking about kind of that upward spiral of healing, right, that leads us to wholeness so that we become, you know, uh, God-oriented or, or oriented towards the divine order in life instead of wreckage oriented. Another piece that I couldn't do, you know, until I did have the courage to find a sponsor is to have the courage to take the fourth step, yes. right? Because it, again, the layers of the onion, um, each time I have courage to take a step that provides me an opportunity to grow a little, to see a little more light, to unburden myself a little bit more from some of the wreckage of my past. And then uh, another door opens that also takes courage to walk through, in this case, taking the fourth step. Now I'd mentioned before, but this is literally true that, it, that to do the first time I did a fourth step, it took me three months and 45 minutes because I really put it off. I really did not want to write all those things down. I kind of knew what I was gonna write, at least some of it. But when I finally had the courage to do it, and I remember where I was sitting, I remember what kind of paper I was writing on, um, and I started writing, I kind of didn't stop writing for quite a while. I mean, you can write a lot in 30 minutes if your pen never stops moving, <laughs> right? And so I wrote down all the obvious things and then the things that those reminded me of and then the things that those things reminded me of and et cetera, et cetera. But I would never have been able to do that if, I, if courage didn't help me to take that step. Um, with, with, you know, we do that alone, but we do fifth step with the sponsor. So it's really a, um, a good example of the individual effort that's required and the group or the duo in that case, um, effort. And I felt greatly unburdened, you know, I felt yeah. a lot more light, you know, almost literal lightness of being, but a lot more wholeness in my life, a lot less focused on wreckage when I did that. Yeah, my fourth step was a multi-volume series, you know, it was, it was quite long and detailed, but there was a shift that happened in me um, where it went from, this is all the stuff that's bad about me, to the, I don't know if I can even describe it, there was an owning of it that happened. Um, because I had a sponsor that encouraged me to write the good things as well as the bad things. So it was a true inventory. It wasn't a list of everything I needed to feel bad about, although there certainly was some of that. Um, I wrote good things about myself too. So it was a true inventory. It was like, this is who I am. This is it. This is all of it. 
And when my sponsor sat there with me while I took my fifth step and I don't even know how many hours it took, she sat there with me through the whole thing. And that is one of the most loving things another human being has ever done for me in my life. And so that's where the healing, that's how we move from that wreckage into wholeness. You know, we move from seeing it as this is so horrible to this is just what I've lived. And, you know, this is who I am. Becomes an opportunity. But let's now shift gears once again and move into action. Yes. We know that unity's fifth principle states, it's not enough to know these truths, we must live them. That yeah. means we must each take action in order to grow and recover. So here's something that you can do to move from being uh, wreckage-oriented, if you will, to wholeness, um, using courage. So think of an example of some unhealed wreckage from your past. Is there a relationship you are thinking about where maybe you were less than kind? Or maybe there's a situation at work where you know that you acted badly. Maybe you offended someone in the past. You know, it's that thing that's still bothering you. And what's important for our exercise is to pick one thing, something simple to focus on right here and right now. Because you can take what we do here today into your life this week and return to it any time in order to find a moment of peace. So let's use that example of still feeling bad about having offended someone in the past and needing the courage to talk to my sponsor about it. So what you can do is use a statement of power or what we refer to in unity as a denial to deny any power to the wreckage of your past. You could say something like, the wreckage of my past does not control my future. Repeat it a few times in your head or aloud and say it with conviction. The wreckage of my past does not control my future. And follow that up immediately with a bold, positive affirmation of a new experience. You could say, guided by my higher power, I step into the courage to change. Then take a few quiet moments to relax and take it easy. There's no need to struggle. Give thanks for your new experience in the world and move on with your day. Again, the wreckage of my past does not control my future. Guided by my higher power, I step into the courage to change. Well, we've come to the end of our time here together, and we hope that you have found something to help you on your own recovery path. I'd like to thank Reverend Michelle again for our discussion, and thanks to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. And listeners, if you'd like, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.